Well, welcome back to the Audible. The Audible is sponsored by AutoNation, AutoNation, America's most recognized automotive dealer. Save on 100,000 vehicles right now at AutoNation.com. Joining me as he does each and every week, John Kajemi. John, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, folks. Good to be back. I'm looking forward to uh, that trip to New England for the Dolphins week one. Yes, it's nice to be here. Hey, we've got a good show lined up for you on X's and Bows. We're going to take a look at the final 53, the final breakdown of the Dolphin roster, and could be changing as it goes. A couple surprises there, and we'll talk about that. And then we've got our sit-down segment. We'll talk with one of the key players going into this week's game. And then behind the enemy lines, we take a look at the Finns opener, the New England Patriots at Gillette. We've got a little some stories to tell at the end of the show. So we've got a lot, a lot of things going on in the program today. And, John, let's first let's take a look at that 53-man roster as we go into our X's and Bows segment. Um, not many surprises. I, I look at those final 53 and we really don't see too many surprises that came out of it, at least from, uh, from my standpoint. Trent Harris, maybe. Uh, Shaq Calhoun, a guy that got a lot, of, a lot of mileage last year, came in as a free agent and was able to play a little bit. And uh, he got bumped out because of, of the rookie crop and some of the veterans that they brought in. And, and then and probably the biggest surprise to a lot of people would be uh, the, the release of uh, Josh Rosen. There was some talk that they were trying to uh, work a trade for Josh. Didn't work out, but we had talked all along that when you looked at the race for that quarterback spot, that, you know, it was, it was Fitz, it was Tua, and then Rosen was, was far behind. And, and really in the back of our minds, too, you still had uh, Josh Rudick there, or, or Jake Rudock there, right. that, that's still, still in town, still available, had been signed and been released. Uh, so that was the biggest surprise. Anything else that struck you? Well, Bo, when you take a look at it, I, I just think that the Dolphins roster right now, the way it's uh, ended up in the 53, is a heck of a lot stronger than it was going into week one last year. I think that's the biggest surprise for me. Even when you add in the rookies on the offensive line, you're going to give Yeoman's work at left tackle to Austin Jackson. He's not, probably going to have the toughest job of any Miami Dolphin in week one, adjusting to speed, adjusting to the NFL, and protecting – uh, the blind side of Ryan Fitzpatrick. You have Solomon Kinley that's going to be uh, starting at right guard. And then you have Robert Hunt, who's going to be that swing guard or tackle. I think those are probably uh, not surprises, but guys that are going to have to rise to the occasion when their number is called. And two of those guys probably going to start. So on the offensive side, I think that's probably what I focused in on. On defense, I feel comfortable going in uh, to week one at New England, especially against a guy – uh, in Cam Newton. You don't know what they're going to do offensively, but you feel better when you look at guys like Emmanuel Ogba and Shaq Lawson on the outside. When you take a look behind him, and you have the Landon Roberts and Jerome Baker, and then you have Byron Jones and, and X on the other side with Eric Rowe and Bobby McCain. You kind of feel strong on the edge uh, of the Miami Dolphin defense. You get Baker in the middle uh, with the Landon Roberts, and then in the back end with Rowe and Bobby McCain. You feel a heck of a lot stronger on defense than you did at this point last season. Yeah, I'm with you, John. I look at the 53 right where they are, and then you start looking at the breakdowns and position-wise, and, and boy, you do really feel it. feel like you put a warm jacket around you compared to last year because, boy, there was a lot of times sometimes going in that stadium you felt naked that, that, with what you were putting out on the football field. Big change this year, and, and I think now that they've kind of culminated, and, there, and there'll be some churning. I mean, that, that roster at the bottom of the roster, it always churn, churns on every team. And this is a football team that believes in doing that as the, as the year goes on. And then they've got the extended uh, practice squad uh, to work with. But as you look at the final 53 going in, I think the big question now is, 
Is it going to be three rookie offensive linemen starting that offensive lineup in New England, or is it going to be two? We saw in the in the uh, in the scrimmage that they had at uh, Hard Rock Stadium where you saw Robert Hunt and and um, uh, and Austin Jackson play on the right side. Jesse Davis was out of the lineup. Solomon Kinley was playing uh, in, in that during that thing. So uh, you know. There's an opportunity to have three in there. And it's going to be interesting to see if they go with those three guys. I got a feeling Jesse Davis is going to be in that starting lineup, either at that right tackle or right guard position when, the season, when, when they start up in New England this week. But I wouldn't be surprised if you do see those three rookies in there as they kick this one off. Yeah, it wouldn't be a shock, but I'm with you, Bo. I think Jesse Davis gives stability and experience, especially on the road week one. You've got probably you're relying on two rookies and Kinley at right guard and Jackson at left tackle. So you want to have as much stability up front as you can. So you bring Jesse Davis in at that right tackle spot. You have Ted Karras, who's been elected one of the captains, along with Jesse Davis on that offensive side uh, to kind of solidify that offensive line. And then I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Kyle Van Noy and what he's going to mean to this Miami Dolphin defense. We talked about the edge rushers. We talked about the defensive backs. But when, when you want a reliable, dependable defender, and especially week one, tackling's probably going to be so poor around the National Football League, you have a veteran like that that can move around the defense, that can rush the quarterback, that can stop the run, and that can get in passing lanes. I feel good on the defensive side with Kyle Van Noy wearing aqua and orange. Yeah, it'll be nice to see this team get off to a quick start defensively and be able to put pressure on the quarterback. Because if they can get some pressure on the quarterback, it's going to be difficult against New England because Cam Newton's a tough guy to bring down, even if you can get to him. Uh, but, it, it, you know, you feel, you feel good about those guys up front. In, my, in part for me is how many good players we have in the backside of the defense. In that secondary, you've got a number of guys in the cornerback. X, uh, whether he comes back or not this week, but I, I got a feeling that he's going to play this week. you got Byron Jones, who really has – I don't think we've really seen – uh, the best of Byron Jones during during training camp. Uh, you got Noah Ibanagami, who, who's, who's looked pretty well back there. Bobby McCain's been doing good. Eric Rowe's been playing well. Uh, you know, you've, you've got a number of guys back there. Nick Needham has been showing up. So I think the secondary, when we look at the secondary, much like the Dolphins' offensive line last year, big difference in what we see this year than what, we, what, what started out last year at the beginning of the season. It could be a strength of this football team. When you take a look at how much man-to-man -man coverage, and that goes not only for the corners, but when the safeties come down on a tight end or a running back or a slot receiver, when the linebackers are paired up on a tight end or a running back, and in this case against New England, you're going up against Sony Michelle and James White and Rex Burkhead and Damian Harris. It's going to be yeoman's work at the linebacker spot. You better have guys that can run and that can cover and that can tackle in space and I think the Dolphins are vastly improved in that category and those categories on the defensive side. Yeah, it's, it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch that defense certainly week one. But I think as they grow and really find out who's who, who can do what, who, who's got the specialties that they can add to and, you know, look for big Raekwon Davis to get his opportunity to get in there and, and, and get in the rotation, that defensive tackle spot and see what he can do, may see if he can be a guy that can really make an impact in that defensive front. But I think it's going to be very, very uh, – it's going to be a very telling first game with you see what the lineups they come out with, how many people they play, and if you see young guys like Malcolm Perry getting more play in there and doing some different things. And, uh, so there's a lot, a lot, a lot of interest and going to be a lot of interesting, 
interesting things to look at in this first game. Hey, we come back, we're going to go ahead and sit down with one of the key players. It's really going to play a, a big role uh, in this game this week against New England as well as the rest of the season. So sit tight. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Audible presented by Auto Nation. Time for our sit down. And today we're going to talk to Eric Rowe. And boy, Eric's been on a kind of a up and down ride with it during his career with the Miami Dolphins. But he seems to have found a home in, in that safety spot. And I think last year he came in as a corner, played a lot of corner. And, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a theme through that secondary. You know, Bobby McCain played corner. Now he's playing safety. Eric Rowe played corner. Now he's playing safety. But I think last year he did a really good job, John, when it came to defending the tight ends. And I think, that, I think that's the niche that he found that's allowed him to grab that spot at the safety position and make it his and, and really be a guy that, you know, this, this league now, I mean, you look at, look at the Super Bowl last, week, last year. Look at the AFC championship games, the NFC championship games, and look at the tight ends. You know, you need to have somebody that can quell those, those tight ends in the course of a game. And, and last year, Eric Rowe seemed to be the, uh, the answer to it. And hopefully he can build on that. And uh, I'm excited to see what he can do, John. Well, his versatility allows him to do that, Bo. Like you said, he, he, he's built like a safety, but he runs a bit like a corner, which is a good trait to have when you move from the outside to the inside. And he's going to be asked to run with tight ends, with running backs, and he can also fill uh, gaps against the run, which you need to do at that safety spot. So I think Eric Rowe, as you said, found a home last year, looked like he belonged there all season long. Once he started playing there and getting more hands on the football, you saw his number flash a lot. So you expect big things in year two from the safety spot with Eric. Yeah, no doubt. Let's hear what he had to say. How did a guy from Texas decide to go to Utah for college? Uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a little jump, isn't it, from Texas to Utah? Yeah. Oh, it's a major jump. When I was uh, going through that whole process, I, I, I wanted to get out to state. I wanted to see something, you know, different, you know, kind of other than I had Texas offers, but you know, me, I like to see new things, meet new people and, you know, kind of everything kind of went hand in hand going to Utah. And, and what you did at Utah kind of followed you in your career. You started out there playing, playing cornerback. And by the end of your career, you're playing safety. Get in the NFL, you start out as a corner, now you're playing safety again. So a very similar pattern from, uh, uh, from what your college career was to what your NFL career has become. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was actually flip-flop. I started at safety, then jumped a corner in my last year, kept corner here, now back to safety. It's <laughs> a bunch of just back and forth. Well, it seems like you found a home with the Miami Dolphins at the safety spot last year transitioning to it. What's your comfort level now going in with a new defensive coordinator and Josh Boyer, uh, maybe some similar schemes that you ran maybe in New England in your time there, but what's your, what's your comfort level at your position right now? Uh, my comfort level is, is pretty good now. Uh, now had a training camp. The only, the only thing I had to get comfortable with was just run fits, uh, run game. Because as a corner, I mean, you don't, you don't study that. You just study routes, uh, formations and all that. So, uh, with training camp, you know, I got a lot better with my run fits, you know, kind of understanding run schemes and kind of where to fit now and all that. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm getting more comfortable with it. And, and speaking about being comfortable, you look to your right and, and you might see Bobby McCain or X and you look on the other side and you see Byron Jones. This secondary seems to be uh, beefed up, I guess. You know, you, you feel like you've got some experience. You feel like you've got guys that have played uh, games and, and What's the confidence level of you guys in that secondary? Because it seems like that defensive unit is, is going to come to play in 2020. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, we're all confident. We just all know that 
uh, as long as we just communicate and, you know, kind of play to our potential, I mean, we're, you know, we'll be a pretty good secondary. You, you look at that secondary and, and there seems to be a common thread. seems like just about everyone back there has played quarterback at one time. You played corner, uh, Bobby McCain played corner. And so you've got all these guys out. So you've got a secondary with a lot of corners in there. Is that, you think that's by design where you, now you've got, you know, how the offenses spread out more receivers out there, more speed receivers on the field. It's better to have those guys that have some cornerback skills, even if you're playing in either the free or strong safety positions. Yeah, it's a, it's a passing league. Um, you know, over when it comes down to, you know, crunch time, however, like in the half or the game, it's, it's going to be a pass. And, you know, more guys that can go out there and play man, I mean, the better you often, uh, let's say like a traditional, you know, traditional safety, you know, what kind of iffy cover skills, I mean, that's, that's the weak link. So if you get people who can play man, I mean, it's a lot better schematic-wise. You know, we've been talking a little bit about you from the standpoint that you, know, you came in, you played a little corner, you played a little safety. And it seemed like last year you kind of found a niche. And you found a niche covering tight ends. And that's been a, you know, that's been a, 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 you know, a spot that this team has been looking for, getting some, some way to cover these tight ends that have really become, you know, a big part of the offenses around the National Football League. Well, what's made you comfortable, uh, made you comfortable last year with your ability to cover tight ends and, and, do, and do such a good job at it? I think it was just the fact that when you make when I made the made the switch, uh, the tight ends aren't as fast, aren't as quick, aren't as shifty. Uh, I mean, so for me, you know, I, I mean, I, I you know I cover receivers, so that would just like then when they were running routes, it would just like really slow down for me. And for them, you know, I'm a physical corner, and you know, tight ends they like to you know push off and hit, and I mean, I do too. So. You know, they're trying to – if they're trying to push me around, they're really not going to, you know, push me like that. And it makes it easier for me to stick on them anyway. But uh, kind of making that switch and having that, having them things slow down, I don't know, it's kind of just – it would just felt, felt good to me. Yep. Hey, I wanted to ask you a little bit about not having the preseason games this year and going into to week one at New England where you guys came away with a three-point victory to end your season last year. What's that transition been like to kind of ramp up and go, man, we're going to play for real in a couple of days? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been tough. It's been tough. It's been different, uh, you know, kind of going in. I mean, it's, it's for everybody around the league, you know, everybody week one, nobody knows, you know, schematic wise, what the other team, you know, other side of the ball has. I mean, defense, I don't know. They change their routes up on the offense and, you know, flip flops. So, uh, it's and it's tough because it's hard to think like, will we playing a game in, I mean, was it five days now or something like that? And so it's like it's tough to get it going mentally because all all we're used to right now is just you know training camp practice, just practice, practice, practice. So you should, when we get on Saturday, we don't have to you know switch the mentality. Eric, you you spent time up in New England. Uh, you spent time around Tom Brady. Tom Brady's not there anymore, but you're going to be looking at Cam Newton, a big, strong. 250 pound, I think he's with 6'6", 250, somewhere around there, quarterback that's got a, a rifle arm and that's motivated. Uh, kind of got kind of got pushed aside a little bit. And, and you know, and you know he's a proud guy, a former MVP. What are you expecting to see out of Cam Newton? And uh, and what do you guys have to do to try to keep keep him in the pocket? Because, you know, his past history is that he can beat you with his arm and he can certainly do damage with his legs. Yeah, I mean – I, you know, I, I expect, I expect 2015 Cam Newton uh, when he was playing at the top of his game. 
I mean, I, I, you know, I seen all the comments. He's motivated and and all that. And I mean, I know what it's coming off of. You know, an injury. People push you off, kind of push you off to the side, and it's like, okay, well, you know, I'm gonna prove them wrong. Like, I, you know, I can still play. So, I mean, I, I can see it's, it's gonna be a tough game. I mean, he is a big, strong guy, running, throwing. Uh, yeah, you know, we have to keep him in the pocket because he's still a threat, even though he's playing for a long time. He's still a dual threat, so it's gonna be a tough matchup. Hey, when you when you look at your team last year and you look at what you've been seeing so far this year in this truncated uh, training camp that you guys have gone through, uh, you know, uh, there was a minus 10 in turnovers last year, um, very few sacks. I think there were 23 sacks by the Dolphins. Now you look at your personnel up there. You look at the guys up front. You look at Van Noy and, and, and some of the defensive ends, Ogbon and, and, and Shaq there, and, and some of the young guys they brought in. And then you look at your secondary. You think this team's equipped now to, to be able to put pressure on a quarterback and then turn that pressure into takeaways uh, in the course of games um, to, to the degree that you need to to be successful in this league? Yeah, I mean, we, we definitely have the talent. There's, there's no question about that. You know, on paper, uh, we got, you know, front seven, the beast, you know, secondary, you know, we have talent. I'll tell you, it just, we, I mean, I know how it goes. You, we just have to come together. We, if we all play as one, I mean, we, you know, we have the potential to be, you know, be a really good defense. And, you know, with the pressure and it kind of goes hand in hand, you get pressure, you get turnovers, you know, you get turnovers, you get pressure. So, I mean, that's, that's our goals for this year. Work. Uh, it starts. It starts on Sunday, and uh, it'd be nice to it'd be nice to duplicate what you did the last game of the year up in uh, up in Gillette, and, and hang another hang another loss on those guys up there in their own backyard. It'd be nice nice way to start the season. Hope you guys could get it done. Appreciate it. <laughs> Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Welcome back to the Audible presented by Auto Nation. We take a look now. Go behind enemy lines presented by Auto Nation, where Dolphin fans can sell their vehicles for cash right now. Just visit AutoNation.com. It's the New England Patriots. Good, ended the season very well up in uh, Foxborough. You were up there last year at Gillette, John, and, and got to see the Dolphins. I've been up there for about 20 years. <laughs> went that locker room every time into a losing locker room and felt bad. All of a sudden, I don't show up and they win up there. You know, so... Uh, yeah. I was very fortunate, Bo. It wasn't that cold, and I got lucky to enjoy the victory. That's for sure. Well, if I was if I was uh, Brian Flores, I'd put you on the plane and fly you up there. Because <laughs> you must have been a you must have been a lucky charm for him. But anyway, they go back up to to Foxborough to start the season at Gillette, and, and the New England Patriots look a lot different than they looked last year. Everyone knows all what, what happened. Tom Brady's gone. He's in Tampa Bay now, and they, they go out, and Cam Newton's hanging out there trying to get a job, and all of a sudden, Bill Belichick pulls a trigger. Cam Newton comes in, and by every report that I've heard, he's just looks sensational up there, works hard in there early every day, out every day, and, and I think this is a guy with a chip on his shoulder. You know, he didn't get a lot of action in free agency. I think a lot of people kind of are looking over him, and a lot of people are saying, well, geez, he's not Tom Brady. Well, you know, here's a guy that was an MVP not so long ago. He's a big, strong, powerful guy. You can throw. He can ex extend plays with his legs. And going into this game, much like it's been over the last 17, 18 years, you know, you got to worry about the quarterback first when you look at New the New England Patriots. And, and he's wearing number one, and he looks comfortable. I mean, when you watch New England during training camp, all the clips that you see about – Cam Newton, he looks like he's moving. He looks like he's healthy. And as you said, Bo, he can do so many things to beat you from the quarterback position. I think the biggest thing for the Miami Dolphins, especially week one, is when you get there, 
you don't have to go for the kill shot. You know, just wrap up and try to, you know, uh, harass him a little bit more than normal because he's a guy that can't escape. So you don't want to go 100 miles an hour at a guy that can move like that and beat you with his legs. And I think it's, it's the off-scripted plays with Cam Newton that might beat you more in week one. I think everybody offensively might struggle a bit without the preseason, without going through, uh, you know, a couple of quarters of live action. So I, I think for the Miami Dolphins, they have to rush the passer smartly. They have to be able to do that with not giving Cam Newton an easy lane either to step up through and run the football or when he's scrambling those off-scripted 10 to 15-yard runs that keep that offense on the field. Uh, I just think those are the things that you have to worry about when you have a mobile quarterback, a big, strong quarterback like Cam Newton. Yeah, you know, you, I, I look back, I remember going, uh, I think it was in 2017, uh, going up and playing them in Carolina, and Cam Newton threw for 254 yards, four touchdowns, and rushed for 95 yards. So that's the package right. he brings to the table. Now he's had some bumps and bruises since then, but I would expect him to be healthy. And, and you know what, more, maybe more important than that, I expect him to be a very motivated player going in. Now, much like Tom Brady last year, he doesn't have the weapons that, that we were used to seeing in New England, but he's still got Sony Michelle and James White coming out of the backfield. He's got a healthy Julian element, which wasn't the case last year. And Julian, when he's healthy, well, he can be a quarterback's best friend out there. There's no doubt about that. So they've got some, they've, they've got some players out there. They don't have the tight end that's been dominant, to, you know, that they've had over the course of years, going back to Ben Coates when they had him. They always seem to have that big dominant tight end. He's gone with Gronk, you know, Gronk moving on. So I don't know they have that, but they've still got enough weapons there. They can run the ball. They can throw the ball. They're running backs. They've got mismatches out there. Uh, so it's going to be a game that the Dolphins are going to have to defend. The one thing you know, that offensive line, some changes along there, but they're going to be well coached and they're going to be disciplined and they're going to play hard. And, and so, uh, you know, just because there's new faces, you, you can't, I don't think you can sleep at all on this New England Patriot football team. No, I think it's going to be really important in week one. You have, to re you have to really pay attention to fumbles, interceptions, field possession. Uh, you know, you have to be able to shorten the field somehow, some way. And I think if the Miami Dolphins come up on the top side of the turnover margin, I think that's going to bode well for, for any team in week one or week two or week three because mistakes are going to happen. And if you can capitalize on a short field, I think that will – that will help, you know, the Miami Dolphins or New England to victory. I think the one thing you mentioned, Bo, with the running backs and with Julian Edelman, that run-pass option, if New England does get inside the 15, 20-yard line in the red zone, I think that's the thing you have to really pay attention to because you haven't had the preseason to really hone down your keys in live action. So you have to watch him pulling the football from either Sony Michelle or James White, getting out on the perimeter and then throwing the football to a Julian Edelman or a tight end or a wide out down inside the red zone because that puts a lot of pressure on the edge of your defense. So I would say tackling, I would say turnovers, and I would say red zone, you have to be aware. Don't let Cam Newton beat you in the red zone. Yeah, no doubt. On the defensive side of the football, you know, another thing we mentioned, I think that I think they've got the most New England has the most players that have opted out this year with the COVID-19. I think they've got eight players that have opted out. Dante Hightower, some some good players have opted out for him. Patrick Chung, I think he's uh, I think he's now he, he's, he opted out too, but you still got the, you know, you still got uh, uh, the McCourty brothers back there. You got Stefan Gilman. I think he's the reigning defensive MVP uh, of the league. So you've got still got some good players in the secondary, but you look at their linebacker. I got a list of their linebackers. I got to read them, John, because, because some of these, uh, so I got, Juwan you Bentley. don't know them. 
They got Brandon Copeland. They got Shaquille Calhoun and Chase Vinovich. Now, Vinovich, I know he's a really good player. But, you know, these are guys that you're – these aren't the normal guys that you're used to seeing back there, the Dante Hightowers and those kind of guys that you're used to seeing. However, again, you look at them and, uh, and you know they're going to be well-schooled. They're going to be ready to play. I, I remember going to see New England a couple years – a few years back, and I looked at their defensive front. They had a bunch of injuries. And I, I couldn't recognize one of those games – one of their names. At the end of the game, I go, man, that was a pretty good defensive front they had out there. So <laughs> you know they're going to – you know they're going to come out and they're going to be respectable in that linebacker core. They've got – Good sec- some still some good people in the secondary, and they've got some people who can put some pressure up front. Well, I think that's the key. I remember last year watching on the field the matchup with Gilmore and Devontae Parker, and Devontae Parker had a heck of a game. He was one of those games where he really took, took Gilmore to school on in routes, out routes, over the top, anywhere he, that Fitzpatrick was able to get the ball close to Devontae Parker, he was able to capitalize. So I think Stephon Gilmore is going to have this game – kind of, you know, circled for a couple months in the summertime, knowing he's going to get that opportunity to try to shut down one of the offensive weapons for the Miami Dolphins in Devontae Parker. So you're hoping that Preston Williams, number one, is healthy and can take that burden on the other side and maybe give Fitzpatrick another option with Mike Kosicki moving around in the offense. But you're right. McCourty twins, you have Gilmore, you have John Simon up front, you have Winovich, Oche, a rookie coming from Michigan, who's a guy that can rush the passer. So you've got some things to worry about with New England's defense. And you know with Bill Belichick there, he's always going to have a wrinkle, and it's probably going to be more personal this time because of the three-point loss with all that on the line, the playoffs on the line for New England last year. I know coaches don't want to look back, but I'm sure they're looking back saying, we don't want that to happen again in week one. We want to set precedence in the AFC East and try to – use, you know, the the New England bravado against the Miami Dolphins coming out of the gates for 2020. So I think those are the matchups outside with with Parker and Gilmore. Can somebody take the pressure off? And can you, can you, a young offensive line come together and whatever Bill Belichick is going to send your way, can you identify it? Can you block it? Can you handle it, you know, for the first 15 minutes of the game? Yeah. And as we know about New England and Bill Belichick, you got to watch special teams. I think they blocked four kicks Last year, we've seen them do some stuff against the Dolphins, so that certainly is part of the package. Sit tight. We'll be back with more when we come back. Welcome back to the Audible presented by Auto Nation. Time for us now to, to look ahead, and this is a, a special year, John. We, we lost um, the great uh, Don Shula, the legendary coach and greatest coach of all time, 347 victories and Hall of Famer and, and a guy that really, really put the Dolphins in, put Miami sports on the map when he first came down here in, in 1970 as a young coach and Boy, what a career he had, and it's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be very uh, – it's going to be a tough year. It's going to be a sad year from that standpoint, but I'm sure there's a lot of tributes uh, coming his way during the course of the season as we move on. And we know that the Dolphins will be wearing patches on their uniforms. It'll say Shula. It'll say 347 uh, to, to uh, commemorate his wins, most of the winningest coach in the National Football League. And, well, I tell you, John, you know, usually kind of that – the latter part of that season where it starts cooling down, you know, you, Coach Shul would always come out in the golf cart, and it would be like a it would be like a parade of people coming over to see him. Coaches from the other, I've seen coaches from the other side of the field come over in almost a dead sprint to to, to see Coach Shul and talk to him, and head coaches and and general managers, and, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough not seeing him down on the sideline this year. He's such a big big part of this family and big part of the, the Dolphin organization for for all those years and. Uh, you know, it's going, to be, it's going to be sad to know that he's not going to be with us on the sidelines anymore, John. 
Well, Bo, you said it right. You know, Don Shula did put South Florida sports on the map and just growing up here in South Florida and remembering uh, just watching his every move on the sidelines and watching uh, the coaches show and, and, and hearing the stories from the players, uh, maybe not so gracious when they were going through it, but laughing about it. You know, when we talk about Coach Shula and your old stories about him and, and your teammates uh, about you know, how much he meant to you in making you and molding you into a football player and then into a man and into a husband and into a father, uh, all the things that he brought uh, to the Miami Dolphins. But he touched so many people with, with his charitable work and with his foundation and all, all the things that he did in this community. And, and I think the Dolphins should probably keep that Shula 347 patch uh, for as long as we can, as long as we have the Miami Dolphins, because he is. Uh, to a lot of South Florida fans and to Miami Dolphin fans, he is the Miami Dolphins. And, and it's just – it was a sad day when we heard it. And uh, all we can do now is, uh, is you know, create those uh, memories in your head about the time you last spoke with him or the time you laughed with him and the time you saw him on the sidelines. And I can – you know, we're probably together most times yeah. during pregame uh, in, in the last 10 years, 12 years. And, and just to see the parade of people, whether you're a scout – whether you're a ball boy, whether you're a former coach, whether you're broadcasting the game, yeah. uh, whether you were a former player, you kind of surrounded that golf cart and you had your two or three minutes and then you wanted to make way because you looked behind and there was a line of people waiting to do the same thing. So I know a lot of people are, are going to miss the, the ability to, to pay tribute to Don Shula in that fashion. Yeah, you know, he's a, he was a funny guy because he was a tough coach to play for. I mean, demanding but beyond – beyond what you can imagine uh, to be demanding. I, I mean, you know, there, there's, you know, there are a lot of times we'd, we'd play games and we'd, we'd, we'd win a game and then we'd watch the tape the next day or, well, film the next day because we didn't have tape back then. We'd watch <laughs> the film the next day and, 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 you, and you'd have, you know, back then I think we had 45 or 49 guys in the roster. You'd have 49 guys walking out of that film room going, geez, did we win that game or did we did lose? Did we lose 48 nothing? Because, yeah. he, because that, but that was him. Even if you won the game, if you didn't play at your best, he was going to point it out, and he was going to point it out in no uncertain terms, and letting you know that he didn't he didn't appreciate it. And so, I mean, from you know, from guys that you wouldn't think, from Larry Zonka to to to, to Bob Kuchenberg to uh, to Larry Little to and you can go on to Jake Scott, and you can go on on to all the way through to, to 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 towards the end of his career. And guys were guys were afraid to play for him because he was a tough tough guy. But over the last few years when he retired and he, he kind of started coming back around to more people, and certainly when this last year before he passed away, I had the opportunity to go to – I went to four of his 90th birthday parties. <laughs> I said, he's going to be 92 by the time you're done with your 90th birthday party. The last time I saw him. But, was, you know, but, but what, 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 stuck out, what stuck out to me about those, uh, those reunions, those, those, those birthday parties for Coach Shula, um, was the respect the respect that everybody had for him, the respect that everybody knew that, hey, we knew you drove us hard. We, you know, we know it was tough at times. We know there were times where, where we all called you names that you probably didn't like, but, but you, you taught us life lessons. You taught us how to be prepared. You taught us how to do a lot of different things. And on the flip side, you could see the respect in Don Shula when he met the point, you know, when, you know, when he got the 72 guys near and, and, and they could just be friends and be in, in, and, and that relationship went from being a coach, a disciplinarian, 
to being a brother and being a friend. And I had the opportunity to watch a lot of that with, with his team, the 72 team, with our team, the, you know, the, the, the Killer B uh, era, and, and, and anyone that played for him, you got the same treatment. So it was, it was, and, and I was really happy that in the last months of his life, he had so many opportunities to be surrounded by his guys in different celebrations. And, and it, it, it warms my heart to know that he was able to have those experiences uh, before, before he left us. Well, you're right. It was a two-way street with those guys uh, in conversation when you're, you know, you're like a, a fly on the wall just kind of listening, and it, it would go back and forth. There was a lot of smiles going uh, in each direction, talking about old stories and memories and uh, catching up with each other's families and doing all those things because he, he was the molder of men, and, and he was a tough disciplinarian, and you know firsthand how that went. But as you said, uh, as, as everybody matured and moved on and then got back together – you could, you could feel how proud he was to be their coach, and you could feel how proud the men that played for him were to say, yeah, I was coached by Don Shula. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. So you'll look, certainly always never be forgot in the National Football League, never be forgot in the world of sports, and certainly never be forgot down here in, in, uh, in South Florida. And we were, we were all lucky to have him down in our community and, and, and for everything he did, like you said, out in the community on the football field. And everywhere else. Hey, that's going to do it. Remember, the Audible, uh, the Audible is sponsored by Auto Nation. Auto Nation America's most recognized automotive dealer. Save on 100,000 vehicles now at AutoNation.com. So that's going to do it. The New England Patriots get the season started off. John, hopefully we come back 1-0 and and we can talk about some, some good things coming out of, uh, uh, out of Gillette Stadium again, back-to-back times uh, when we get together next week. I sure hope so. I'm going to take you up. I'm going to ask Coach Flo if I can sneak on the plane there and make it 2-0 for me. Well, you got to get tested about 20 times before you go on that plane. <laughs> All so right, maybe I'll, I'll take my chances. <laughs> All right, you guys out there that, that joined us, stay safe, and we'll catch you next week. We'll see you.